This is a News Laundry podcast. Welcome to NL Hafta. Hello and welcome to News Laundry Hafta. NL Hafta is back with episode 21 and we have a very special guest with us today. Before I tell you who our guest is, I'd like to remind you that tomorrow News Laundry answers to you. Our question and answer session begins at 3 on Friday, 3 p.m. on Friday. Uh, remember support independent media when the public pays the public is served when corporations pay corporations are served if you don't like news laundry support someone else but you must support independent media if you value independent news so today in our studio we have kanchan gupta a very prominent uh, can i say a commentator journalist from the right or do you have a problem with me categorizing no, 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 no. okay so i i believe you describe yourself as a socially liberal uh, politically, politically conservative. conservative yeah right politically conservative socially liberal so kanchan gupta is here he's worked at the telegraph statesman pioneer he's got a huge body of work behind him and also manisha hi manisha hello aruna psykya hello and in case you're wondering who this this is abhinandan sekri it's just my voice is sounding like this because i have a cough so before we get into what all we'll discuss i'll just quickly go over for our viewers we'll discuss the yoga day celebration we'll discuss emergency today is the 40th anniversary of that stories and pieces related to that and any other news that people here may have found remarkable and worth commenting on also the charleston shooting uh, we'll do some internet international coverage whether it's terrorism hate crime or a lone wolf and there's been a development on the story arunab had done on the journalist who was burnt alive in shahjahanpur apparently the police says that forensics show he immolated himself so we'll just discuss that briefly but first kanchan what do you want to start with i think we should start with the emergency with the emergency okay yeah, it's the 40th anniversary and also i think uh, uh, the new generation needs to know what happened right uh, very little is known about the emergency because it was lit- it was written about between 77 and 1980 mm-hmm. and after that sort of it was erased from popular memory so i think we should talk about the emergency what it meant and can it ever happen again yeah that's mm-hmm. something that's been discussed often uh, how old were you when the emergency happened i i was in high school really but i, I we were growing up in jamshedpur and bihar as you know which was mm-hmm. jamshedpur was a part of bihar in those days it was politically very active during jp's movement our school was quite It, it it was sort of an island but uh, i remember uh, we had this annual elocution contest and most popular piece which would come up every year and i i guess the boys were quite comfortable with it and they would practice it and it was give me freedom or give me death and that year we we had father powell who used to organize the elocution contest he looked very grim and he said that uh, no we can't do this and then uh, after that believe it or not the district authorities they called off the elocution contest i mean you couldn't have really? an elocution contest and this is at school level in, in in a high school kids were what 14 15 16 at best Uh, no but uh, what i mean is that uh, while outside school you saw the little meetings which uh, jp's boys would organize and i have very vivid memories of what preceded the emergency i mean you know it, it, it was the shortage economy and uh, uh, i remember my mother used to stand in a queue to buy school notebooks at janta shops so it was could... that unique to just pre emergency or that was just how things were like 
until then forever no what happened is that after the bangladesh war mm. uh, there was this huge refugee crisis and india alone had to foot the bill i mean as everybody knows mm-hmm. the world turns its turned its face away and uh, on top of that uh, we had uh, a oil crisis in 1973 yeah. and that oil crisis really sort of screwed whatever little was there uh, as far as the indian economy was concerned a balance of payments had rock bottom inflation was at 33 34% i think the two are connected uh, the oil shock the the shortage economy because the bangladesh crisis and the emergency uh... yes and 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 the and, and pl 480 ended i think as far as i remember during those days and we didn't get wheat hmm. from america anymore so there was successive drought and uh, we we were in a pretty bad shape i mean as far as the economy was concerned and that in a sense fueled uh, the jp movement because it was uh, inflation coupled with very brazen and vivid corruption i mean the kind which we now nowadays corruption runs into hundreds and thousands of crores of rupees mm-hmm. those days corruption ran into thousands of rupees and it was very vivid you could see it happening around you but you say are you saying that these three are connected to the emergency or uh, that discontent that jp fed on was because of this kind of shortage and 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 because of the food crisis the drought well it it was a cascading effect is it possible that it wouldn't have happened he wouldn't have got that kind of leverage uh, that kind of uh, a mass following had these things not happened oh yes oh yes you know the navnirman movement in gujarat the jp movement in bihar they sort of dovetailed you know when we talk of the emergency we say that it was like you know darkness at noon uh, and uh, all your civil liberties were uh, suspended fundamental rights were hmm. suspended you could be arrested and not produced in court right. elections were suspended but surprisingly there were no mass protests there were there was no i mean there were no huge crowds on the streets running riot there were no there were no organized rallies and what is sad and i think kuldeep nayar has written about it hmm. in his column in the indian express is that the people responded with an inexplicable meekness to the suppression of democracy in this country neighbor was scared to speak to neighbor father was scared to speak to son colleagues were scared of uh, you know getting ratted out their boss or whatever so okay before we get into a little more detail on the emergency i just like to hear from aruna ben manisha they are journalists of a generation um, that was born after the emergency uh, what what do you make or manisha why don't you start i think uh, I'd, i'd like to know from mr gupta in fact uh, i was reading a piece by fali s nariman in the indian express where he says that uh, the india's intelligentsia rationalized the tyranny uh, how true is that were there people who felt that okay this is great for the country and uh, were there voices that supported it well we are talking of the 1970s and uh, we had a we had a very structured hierarchical society in those days and the intelligentsia or the intellectual class was the creamy top layer which was so thin uh, you you barely noticed it unless you were trying to notice it and most of them were part of the establishment they they felt they were obliged to be part of the establishment and uh, they were 
pink champagne socialists, so to say. And they, again, they felt obliged. They, they, they should rationalize everything that Mrs. Gandhi or the establishment did. Uh, you know, uh, after the emergency was declared, a lot of these intellectuals actually started talking about the benefits of one-party rule. And, and, and examples were given of newly independent African countries which had begun to slide into anarchy and dictatorship. Uh, after all, Cuba was there. The entire Soviet empire was there as an example to hold up as uh, the, uh, the, you know, the merits of one party. But would you say it's, that was unique to um, the Indian intelligentsia or would it be like if you see the Musharraf years, they were the most productive for the stock exchange in Pakistan. You know, the, uh, the banana republics of South America under a military dictatorship, economic growth was really good. Would you think that big business the world over forever in history has always supported something like this? Oh yes, B big business and democracy. You know, it's ironical. I mean, we keep, we, there is this funda that free market is the best uh, guarant guarantor of democracy. Mm. And yet big business has never been comfortable with the idea of democracy. Yeah, histor True. Historically, that's True. not quite accurate. Huh? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm, yeah. this is I know, yeah, my, I know what my, my yeah. sense of it. And today, there's a piece uh, which I was reading on the way to your office uh, that's uh, been posted on NDTV's website. Yeah, I, which, I read that. Which rationalizes uh, Mrs. Gandhi's decision from, a, from an economic perspective. You know, the reasons which I was just mentioning that the economy was in free fall and you needed this to stabilize the economy for discipline. It asks for a more nuanced view of the emergency, yes. yeah, which is yeah, worrying. And it also says, tells a story as to why big business was most delighted with Mrs. Gandhi's return in 1980. Now, we can say that, you know, I think a point is made in that article that this is when the shift from left to right began, and that's a lot of hogwash. Mm -hmm. There was no shift from left to right. It was left, 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 and more left. And uh, you see, it, it's, it's all about cronyism, which is the linchpin of big business in our country. And they're, they're the most comfortable with the Congress. They're the most comfortable with the ecosystem of the Congress. But we say just for Congress, I say big business is comfortable with whoever's in power. In fact, we'll discuss in a little more detail. I'd just like to get Arunab in. Arunab, what have you read? Of course, you are even, you're the youngest on the table. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, which, uh, which pieces have you found valuable to tell you about the emergency? I mean, the express piece I read uh, was pretty. The piece called uh, "View from the Newsroom." Uh, I think that was a uh, that was a great piece. That is what Javed like. Yeah. That was a really good piece. Yeah. Also, I happened to read uh, a short story by Rushdie a long time back called "Free Audio." Mm. So it, it was about an aspiring actor who uh, who, who was struggling, and so uh, lured by the sterilization program, he was told, uh, "Get yourself sterilized, and you get a job in the radio." Mm. So uh, I think uh, I, that was that was uh, that was something I really enjoyed reading, and uh, I've also read Nandara Segal's book, uh, which is again fiction. Uh, I, I think fiction often, you know presents a you know, more accurate view of you know, what was happening. Sure. Uh, also, I'd like to ask uh, Mr. Gupta here, when he talks about, you know, uh, uh, when you, you know, when you say that, uh, you know, the whole relation between free market business and mm. the civil liberties. But uh, don't you think uh, at that point, India did not have a middle class at all? And, uh, you know, owing to the markets opening up and, you know, you know, post 90s and, and free market coming in, you know, you know, people understood a middle class or educated middle class understood the importance of civil liberties because otherwise the, the 
the creamy, the creamy layer, you know, which was Latin's Delhi, and rationalized, uh, you know, uh, rationalized uh, Mrs. Gandhi's decisions, and and the other section who were too poor didn't care at all. But uh, so what I'm saying is, uh, do you think uh, um, if there would have been a middle class at that point of time in the country, do you think, you know, there have been more protest against what happened? Actually, an educated middle class. I'll let Kanchan answer that, but before that, I'll just point out to four pieces on the emergency which our audience might want to read. There's one by Salil Tripathi in the Mint, which I think think is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed with uh, the one in the Express by Mr. Puldeep Nayak yeah, because he didn't give us anything that mm-hmm. we didn't already know. This one that you just mentioned uh, by Javed Lek, I think that was nice. The Salitra Party one is good. But the one of the best narratives about the emergency which I've liked is a book called JP in Jail by M.G. Devas Sahayam. I read this a while ago. This gentleman was the DM and the Inspector General Prisons when JP was arrested. So he's he was basically the keeper of JP. He's the one who was keeping JP, you know, uh, in, in house arrest, so to speak. So he's written a really good book. So these are things our viewers might want to read. There's a very interesting anecdote in the Javed-like piece. He used to work in the Express, and after the emergency, he asked Goenka, Ramnath Goenka one day that why were you, you know, why didn't Indira Gandhi arrest you? They were trying to clamp down on the Express in all sorts of ways, you know, cutting down on ads. And Ramnath Goenka said that actually I had employed Rose Gandhi, and I was close to both of them, and mm. both of them were going through a bad patch in their marriage and had written letters to me accusing each other. So I think she was scared that if she did something against me, she sent me to jail, I'd publish those letters. <laughs> yeah, and I that too. it speaks volume of, I mean, he didn't do it. And he said that I would never do it. I think she misunderstood or And also the piece Kanchan was talking about on, the, on NDTV is, uh, is, is written by, uh, I think, the business correspondent, Srinath Raghavan. He is senior fellow at Center of Policy Research. What you were talking about, you were talking yeah. about the growth rate. So, yeah, and anything you want to tell our viewers which is no, uh, you see, which uh, is worth reading, you can also just advise them on that. Well, there, there were a whole lot of quickies that came out after the emergency which were just really potted history. Hmm. Uh, all the all the Prime Minister's men uh, by Janardhan Thakur, uh, oh, uh, that, that I think was a great book to read. As to, I mean, it was about the key figures who were actually moving the levers of power during the emergency. Now, the reason I mentioned uh, about uh, the ecosystem of Delhi, if you read Tavleen Singh's book, Darbar, mm. she has some very interesting anecdotes uh, about the period just after the emergency was lifted and the Janta government uh, came to power. Uh, It was about how the bureaucracy felt like fish out of water. And all that they would do is to go around. I mean, every time there was a flashpoint happening in the Janta government, which happened once too often, uh, they would go around asking journalists, you think this is the end of the story? You think Mrs. Gandhi is coming back? You think Sanjay Gandhi is on the upswing? You know, so, so they were desperate to see the establishment restored uh, to what it was. Now, you know, the emergency was more than just the, the, the political measures which were taken. You know, uh, often comparisons are drawn between uh, uh, the Nazi era in Germany and mm. the two years of uh, 20 months of emergency in India. They are a bit exaggerated. We didn't have anything of that kind. But the symbolism of, of it was borrowed. I mean, you had uh, Hitler is Germany, Germany is Hitler over here, you have yeah. Indira, Indira is India, India, India is Indira. In fact, yeah. today, um, uh, 
Gopal Krishna Gandhi has written a piece referring to that. We'll just come to that later. Hmm. And uh, it was also about some. Uh, Arnold talked about there not being any middle class. I would disagree. Hmm. Uh, the middle class was there. In fact, it was a vast middle class, and it's just that middle class was more value defined than uh, defined in economic terms in those days. So you talked about middle class values, which were independent of your economic status, and the middle class was quite alert. I mean, everybody read newspapers. I mean, newspapers in those days. I mean, I remember the statesman sold in. Lacks of copies, so people were informed. It's not that people were not informed, uh, but I think it was. For instance, there's this line about the emergency that the people talked with great admiration that the trains ran on time. Mm. Exactly, and things happened. And so, yeah, and it was easy to get government offices. And uh, yeah. if you if you needed to buy kerosene to for, for your kitchen, the ration shop had to display a board which said that so many liters. Came in on this date, and till now, so many liters have been sold, sold. Right. and this much is in stock. Uh, you had uh, Sanjay Gandhi goons all over the place in their guru kurtas. Those, those they were called guru kurtas those days. I, I don't remember exactly why, but I think uh, for whatever reason they were called guru kurtas, kurtas with little collars, round collars, and they, they were uh, white, a white guru kurta and uh, clad young men all over the place and they would flex their muscles and ensure that you know the presence was felt there were stories about how if you came late to work your chair disappeared and somebody else was hired in your place so all this was greatly admired by the middle classes that yes discipline and of mm. course you know as you know acharya vinoba bhave he he described emergency as anushasan parv that uh, you needed this discipline uh, but my my contention is different what happened during the emergency is that a it showed up the kind of people we are and we are not people who can stand up as one to tyranny you think that's still true it's still true okay i think i mean that's my so you think uh, mr advani's I, i'll just come to that in a point now the reason i say this is that in 1977 when election was held mrs gandhi lost her son lost the congress was decimated but yet the congress got nearly 41% of the popular vote mm. which is just just below the 50% mark and in the south the congress was unaffected uh, it's the, the decimation happened only in the north so i mean you know are we really do we really have it in us to take to the streets to stand up and fight after all we have lost the fundamental right to own property in this country our constitution doesn't give you the right to property most indians are a not aware of it and even if they are aware of it they don't give a damn b the fact that the 42nd amendment was never repealed why is it i mean it's laughable that we are still a socialist republic not only in name really no but even then hmm. okay i mean i i guess that will some it will be struck down i don't have a doubt it won't i just think it's not on the priority list no, of any government no you can't because because <laughs> the supreme court in its wisdom has decreed that you cannot tamper with the with the fundamentals of the constitution hmm. and socialism is a fundamental and the, and, and the, and the uh, that, that that is fundamental okay we'll sorry we'll just go further into this bit about whether you know as a people we are what we are um i, I just want to 
quote the first paragraph from Jawed Lake's piece. Oh, sorry, there's another really interesting piece which gave me something that I didn't know. You know, like a lot of emergency pieces is the same old stuff that you've heard forever. Is in the quint actually by Jaskirat Singh Baba, which says, what was the army doing, do- doing during the emergency? And he's spoken about how, you know, at, at that time, the chief of staff, General Raina, I think there was an expectation of him of helping, uh, you know, various chief ministers out with distributing water or managing discipline <laughs> using the army. And he made it clear that the army will not get involved. And he, that was the order sent down. Uh, so he's given a few anecdotes from that time uh, in the Quint, which is an interesting piece. Kanchan, I just want to read this out, which is uh, in the Express. The smell of fear pervaded the emergency. It was an unknown new odour for the upper and middle classes, most of whom most of whom had no perception of the midnight knock and had never considered even the remote possibility of being whisked off to some dank cell. This may have been the reality for the voiceless and penniless wretched, but for the post-independent articulate classes, it was a new experience to fear that loose talk could land them in prison. I really like this paragraph because mm. I think... And that's still the case even today. Uh, a lot of, you know, when it was a Jan Lokpal movement happened, a lot of people got out and did hoo-ha, and then there was this anarchy, uri I think for a lot of people, that makes absolutely no difference one way or the other. Because what, you know, Mr. Like has said, this was true and still is. For the really poor, there is no, there is no order for much of the country. So it, it was a new uh, fear for a particular class. Which is why they wrote so much about it. We still discuss mm-hmm. the emergency. Sorry, that is one. And one more thing I want to point out. and uh, That why do you think we have so many documentaries on emergency, you know, now? And we haven't had in the last 40 years. All, it, it's, it's fashionable to say the poor are a scared, uh, are scared lot. They know fear, the idea of fear. I don't think so. The poor, in a way, are pretty brave. Mm. They know how to brave it out. They know how to face mm. odds and overcome. That's a very... That's a very patronizing th- thing to say about the poor. I think what Fear, he says... What no, about this I'm not going into that. I'm, I'm not questioning his intent. I'm mm. just saying broadly. This whole idea about fear is essentially linked to how strong is your backbone. I, I wouldn't want to get into the Jan Lokpal Andolan or the huge agitation which Delhi witnessed mm. over the Delhi gang rape case. Mm. Uh, those are momentary flashes in the pan. Mm-hmm. It's a question of standing up for what is right. We have people who, who do that and then nobody stands by them. You know, it's not a question of numbers. It's a question of what you believe in. So do Indians really believe in the idea of liberty? And the idea of liberty is not essentially about what your constitution ordains. The idea of liberty is much more than that. But didn't people stand behind JP? No. I mean, you know, like I said, that you had, you had the young lot of that time who were rallying behind JP. After all, more than a lakh people were in jail without any cases pending against them. Hmm. But the bulk of India was too scared to speak out because they really did not have the courage of conviction. And, and, and had India revolted, this wouldn't have happened. Mrs. Gandhi knew that India wouldn't revolt. You know, you, you mentioned about uh, Mr. L.K. Advani's uh, mm, that comments that uh, the fascist forces 
mm. are stronger today and it could happen again. In theory, yes, because after all, the emergency provisions exist and you could impose emergency in the country, in theory. Legally. The yes. Legally. I mean, you know, like, like it is said, Mrs. Gandhi subverted the constitution with the help of the constitution. Right. So it wasn't some extra constitutional mean which was adopted to subvert the constitution. So it could happen. But today, the resistance which was witnessed in 1975-77, today's resistance would, would be voluminous than the, what was seen then. Because, that's because of technology, because innovation. Because of technology. Tec yeah, sure. And uh, I, I, I read somewhere what you have 24, 25 million uh, in, in, in rural India alone mm. who are onto social media. So these are different days and uh, it would happen not because people actually believe in the idea of liberty but they would be appalled that you know something like this happening is happening. Although it's worth exploring whether um, that is in fact true I think we can discuss a little more detail uh, because there are a few pieces which say otherwise so I just like to discuss those as well that it is possible today but uh, sorry I'll just get into that before we get into that uh, I don't know any other piece on the emergency that you think are worth reading before we get into whether it can happen today or not. The history, sorry, before we do that, just wanted to point out, and uh, Kanchan, you didn't uh, answer this. Why do you think that now you have, you know, documentaries being made and everyone talking about the emergency? Uh, and for the last 40 years, the same mainstream, you know, uh, media and, and channels uh, were not having any, you know, special shows about this. What's changed? Is it just that the NDA is in power? The, what the point I'm trying to make is that you know, nothing's the, changed. No, 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 no. things <laughs> change. You know, I'll tell you, I'll give you one example. Why wasn't there a 30-year the anniversary first, documentary the series? First, the first public advertising hmm. reminding people of the emergency and, 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 and sort of cautioning them about the perils of tyranny. Uh, it happened when Atul Bihari Vajpayee came to power in 19... 99. Right. So I think that was the first year you had either in 99 or 2000, one of these two years. So it is it is only natural that when you have a genuinely non-Congress government that these things come out, people feel encouraged. Which brings you to the point is the mainstream media doesn't have any spine today. So the likelihood of them falling in line today is as much as it was back then because if the only time they had the balls to, to make documentaries or write about this was during Atal Bihari Vajpayee's time and they haven't, like the 30th anniversary during UPSM, how come we didn't see all these documentaries and these write-ups then? You know, right? th there, is, there is an editor or there was an editor for whom I had great and immense respect. Actually, my respect was for his erudition, uh, Mr. Girilal Jain of mm. Times of India. Right. And he loved to refer to himself as the second most important man in India, second most important person in India. The most important was, of course, Mrs. Indira Gandhi. The idea of the press uh, sucking up to the establishment or the media sucking up to the establishment, I guess it's universal in a sense. And uh, to quote Mr. Advani, I mean, when the media, or there was no media really those mm. days, there was only press. When the press was asked to bend, it chose to crawl. I somehow sense that uh, it never stood up after crawling. I mean, it still crawls. It's still crawling. Yeah, I agree on that, actually. So, it's still crawling. 
Now, will the will the mainstream media suck up to the BJP? I don't think so. Oh, I, I don't think, think so. Yeah. I'll tell you why. Because the Congress has a way of uh, of 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 enforcing that you toe the line. They they have it, it's part of their ecosystem. They know people individually. There are too many loyalties. There are too many. You know, when I first landed in Delhi in '91. I heard somebody explain, uh, tell me that, you know, half of Delhi sleeps with the other half. <laughs> so, the Congress and mainstream media have been in bed for so long that disengagement is virtually impossible. And the BJP, for all the bad press it gets, doesn't really have it to squeeze the media into 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 towing its line it just doesn't have it what it takes i th i think you overestimate the press and underestimate power whether it's bjp or anyone else but we'll just do a deeper dive into that you guys have been very quiet uh, anything you want to share before we get into whether it's possible today uh, but before we do that there's a piece by gopal krishna gandhi in the hindu today which actually says the opposite of what many other pieces on the emergency say he says the emergency is a distant memory today because the nation's collective spine did not bend. The media stayed unbent and the judiciary remained independent. Yet we have to be wary of the robotization of our minds into a yogic acceptance in one real majoritarianism. And in this piece, he's very cleverly kind of juxtaposed the entire yoga day with the emergency. It's, it's, a, it's a piece which is a study in psychology. I think it's, uh, it's clever. I don't agree it's, with it's, everything it's it says. It's a clever piece. It's a clever piece. But uh, uh, I just want to get into what you just said. But uh, Manisha, Arunab, floor is yours. Why don't you guys go? Well, I, I agree that I'd, uh, I think even Ram Guha wrote something to that extent in the Indian Express saying that you don't need an emergency because you don't need the press to comply. They are already complying. Right. So I, Do I, 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 don't, have, I don't have much faith in if there was emergency today, I don't think the media would really stand up. Okay. At least the mainstream media. And I think there could even be blackouts. I think there could be, they would rationalize it, I think. I Many media houses. It's technically possible because of technology. So, I mean... Uh, TV blackout, perhaps. So that's what I was... That's, that's the point I was trying to make in terms of... I think there is a more robust middle class now. There is a, there is a larger number of people online, informed people. And I, I don't think, you know... I, I don't think an emergency is going to happen. I, I think it, I think those fears are totally unwarranted. I, I, I don't. Th I, th I, I mean, obviously, I mean, understandable that uh, a section of the media, you know, who've always uh, looked at Mr. Modi with suspicion, you know, would like to believe so. But I don't think, you know, that's really plausible. I mean, it can happen anytime soon or ever again in this country. You know, the point which I really wanted to make is that uh, you had a towering person like Girilal Jain saying that he's the second most important person in the country uh, because Mrs. Gandhi would call him over for lunch, dinner, listen to him, whatever. Hmm. Today, you can't have anybody to, who, who can stand up and say that I'm the second most important person in the country. Right. Um. Uh, it's, it could be argued both ways. It could be argued that Mr. Modi doesn't give a damn from the mainstream media. Or it could be argued that the mainstream media doesn't fit into uh, the, 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 the 
BJP's ecosystem, so they, they, they don't feel comfortable there, they wouldn't want to go anywhere near it. But you don't I think... I agree with that. There are mainstream media editors who are very close to the Prime Minister and they fit into the BJP ecosystem. They were equally close so, to, to Mr. Manmohan Singh or to, to the family which controlled Mr. Manmohan That's exactly my point. So whoever is in power, like I already see, I mean, tell me, is it is it because, you know, I am, let's say, a little left of centre, so I see it differently and you see it differently. I see such a huge shift and I point this out to Bhupen, the job. I remember once he was anchoring, as soon as the government changed, and he spoke about Manmohan Singh in a way, I, I forget the word he used, in such a disparaging way, and none of them would have had the balls to speak about the UP at that time, like that, or even Rahul and Sonia. And now when they talk about Modi, especially the Yoga Day, or whenever you, uh, Modi made his first Look, speech, Yoga Day, there I was, think no, too much is being made no, of but Yoga I'm just, Day. Uh, we can get into the details of Yoga Day because I do want to. So, but the point I'm making right now is different that they, I already see them you know, being cheerleaders like they were to Sonia oh, ji, yes. to Modi ji today. So mm. I don't see when you say that they will not make that change. Maybe they are socially, they are more used to being with Gandhi so they can identify the wine and ji, hum vineyard gaye the, ghoom ke aaye. So socially, they are more comfortable with the Gandhi Latin zone kind of space. But the pupil of power, I think I see the mainstream media bending over backwards to Modi as much that they did in Manmohan, just like industrialists did. Industry and they, they don't know loyalty, they only know interests. Who asked about this intellectuals? You did. Yeah, I don't know. I did, yeah. uh, what has happened is that we have created over the years a system where power in its most crudest sense impresses people. Mainstream media, and when you say mainstream media, I really mean the editors, the owners, uh, the investors, I don't mean the sub-editor on the desk sure. or, the, or the reporter on the field. They feel that there is their importance is directly proportional, proportionate to how much they can get into the charmed circle of power. Their level of entry determines their own stature in their own institution. And sadly, we have come to a situation where an editor just doesn't sit and do what an editor is supposed to do, commission stories, bring out a paper, or plan a show, or whatever. Hmm. An editor today really is a door opener for the owner. He opens doors in the corridors of power. She's a power broker, basically. So basically, to push that, the business interest uh, of the owner. I didn't want to use the term broker because it it, it has a slur attached okay. to it. And I'm all, less polite that way. <laughs> I, I mean, after all, we all make our money from the same profession. Sure. So, uh, but it, it's 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 that really is the tragedy of our times. That an editor today is a door opener. That separation of between management and editorial doesn't exist anymore. And this is bound, and, and when, when, when you create a system, I mean, even the government, I mean, you know, I could, I could well argue that why should the government be pandering to editors? Yeah, absolutely, why should it? Uh, why, should be, why should the government be uh, uh, sort of selectively whining and dining editors? What is the message that is being sent out? I mean, is the message meant for the masses? No. The message is meant for the owner. But I think that is a question of using the media to push, you know, one's own agenda. Like we've seen over the last few weeks, the media does have a very big impact on public perception. Uh, you know, something that happens on prime time does impact whether we like it or not, public perception, to a, 
I mean, people have tried to deny it, but not with much success. When push comes to shove, it matters. So won't it be natural for the government to try to um, wine and dine editors? Because, I mean, they will use I, them too. You know, I mean, I, and this is not, not something new. I mean, for a long time, I have occasionally said something which is considered hugely unpopular. And that is, why should the government of a democracy, of a republic, have a ministry called information and broadcasting Absolutely. Ministry. I agree completely. I mean, you can have a regulatory authority which exists all over the world for, for your audiovisual media and for your print media. But that regulatory authority really is more to do with uh, the nature of investment, holding, and to an extent what can be shown and what cannot be shown. But that should be largely industry regulated. Why should the government of India, the government of a free country, of a democracy, still be appointing a censorship board to clear films? It doesn't happen in any democracy. I mean, uh, Hollywood, which is the biggest in industry, film industry in the world, doesn't have a censor board clearing films. The government has framed these are the do's and don'ts for giving certificate A, certificate B, certificate C. And so long as the, these rules are complied with, we don't give a damn. And theat any theater which shows a film that, is, that does not comply with the laid out rules, you lose your license. Right. Simple. Now, we don't go through that. We go through a process where everything is... Uh, uh, politically ordained because they they have leverage over mainstream media exactly using those institutions institutions right. and uh, we we have something called i mean i mean it's laughable we have something called the dance and drama division of the government of india <laughs> uh, for what for what it's your money and my money that is being spent on it DAVP, why should the DAVP be spending even a single naya paisa uh, on government advertising? Correct. Mm. Yeah, totally agree. In this day and age, I mean, if you want to issue tenders, you, you issue tenders on the, you just post the tenders Online. on your website. Yeah, within an hour you'll have enough. Now, we, i just like to move uh, on to the yoga issue, which you said too much was made of that. I just want to discuss <coughs> briefly, uh, was it over... Uh, covered was it not over covered but before I do that we just I'd just like to say we stand corrected alert viewers viewer Rit Chadda has pointed out last hafta we discussed that uh, the mainstream media that was going hammer and tongs against the BJP Sushma Swaraj no one was questioning Modi you know just like the UP mm -hmm. government mm -hmm. anything have happened the questions were to Manmohan Singh any other uh, the questions are to Kejriwal but with this no one was questioning Modi and uh, this view has said that, in fact, Karan Thapar and Nidhi's show, they did question him, even though Arana was being very soft. So I just want to stand corrected on that. Mm. Now, coming to yoga day, uh, when you started both of you and then Kanchan can go, do you think it was overdone, the yoga day coverage, or not? Or justifiably so, or not justifiably so? Arana, why don't you go first? It was over in Delhi. So we had a story yesterday comparing the yoga day coverage and the uh, Bombay Ooh. story, the Hooch deaths. Yeah. The, Bombay paper, the, the Bombay papers played up the Hooch story, mm. as they should have. Mm. And I think this is typical of any Delhi-based institution that we don't think a country exists beyond uh, Delhi. So it was obviously overplayed by Delhi papers, but I think uh, 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 where it mattered in Bombay, Bombay papers played up the Hooch story. So I don't think it was, uh, you know... What about television channels? 
Tell me, I mean, everything is obviously, I mean, Delhi-centric. So I, do, I think that's, pretty, that's a no-brainer that this is happening right in the heart of, you know, Delhi. And uh, it was uh, supposed to be some sort of you know, political posturing by the prime minister and the new government. It was supposed to get play. So I don't think it's one bit surprising that, you know, the mainstream media thought yoga was a more important story. Manisha? Um, well, the MIB sent a circular on May 29th to all private channels, all FM channels, and all community radio stations mm. saying that please make International Yoga Day, promote it. So I think they took it very seriously. Hmm. and went crazy. All advisories are taken very yeah. seriously in our country. <laughs> I mean, it's, really, yeah. it's not compulsory, but, you know, just in case you'd like to promote it, go huh. ahead. No, that's it. a reality, for God's sake, you know. So, some 4,000 hectares, uh, 11,000 hectares of land have been affected in Assam by the floods. I mean, I don't see one story on the Yeah, and, so, and for right. three days and, straight, at least the newspapers were playing up the story. Yeah. And there was this developing story of where people had lost I mean, 100 people had lost their lives. And they, right before that, the papers were full of talking, uh, talking about Maggie and adulteration in food. And something like this happens where people lose their lives. And it just, it's yeah, just it relegated to the back pages. Covered. I think it was, so I yeah. don't I, understand. I mean, Kanchan, Yugo, what do you think about the yoga well, day and the controversy surrounding it? Just an aside, um, before we get, in, get back into the mm. uh, uh, main issue. You know, th th let us not get overtly carried away by huge deaths. I, I, mm. I have seen enough of them mm. in various places. Uh, people don't drink hooch because they are poor or because they can't afford country-made uh, foreign liquor, that is, what, uh, mm. sorry, India-made foreign liquor mm. or country-made liquor which is sold by the government. They, they drink hooch because it gives them a great high. So, and, and they die, and they know the when they drink hooch, they know that these are the possible con uh, consequences. You could turn blind, you could, you could, uh, various things that could happen to you. So, th that, that really is not a comparable story. Yoga day. Yoga day was a big event. Yeah. It was a big event, now, the way I see it, I, I don't see it as a, as, as, as some great uh, assertion of Hin India's Hindu identity or something like that. Yoga Day was the coming of age, the world giving India's civilizational history, its cultural identity, their rightful place. So that is the way I see it. Right. And to that extent, yes, we should have taken note of it. We should have taken note of it in a very big way. Mm. But we should have also rightly contextualized it. Right. I, I could argue for the next one hour how, uh, how the yoga day, which, which, which Modi got the UN to uh, uh, accept and declare 21st June as the International Yoga Day, uh, it was to give a larger big picture framework to India's engagement with the world, that you are not engaging with the world purely in terms of, yes, come, let's do business, but you're also engaging with the world that, look, there was a time when India was Vishwaguru. Now, together, we can't do it in isolation. Together, let us try and reclaim our space, which we have conceded over the decades. Okay. So that's the way I would look at it. And to that extent, I think it was a big story. Right. But I do concede that, you know, Assam floods, I mean, but Assam floods happen every, every year. year. And then never have is, the same this complaint is, this every is year. Lady, this is lazy journalism. This is lazy journalism. And since we are taking names, uh, Rajdeep Sardesai once said that, you know, 
Assam is too far. Yeah, but he went to Montenegro. But whatever, he can go Halid to Montenegro. Yeah. Which is, I think slightly <laughs> the the uh, hypocrisy of that was too too obvious. To uh, not, so to some balance would have been good. Uh, but the the lazy journalism and this <laughs> may upset you. Huh. Uh, we have what? Nothing upsets me, Kanchan. Promise. At least <laughs> ten important non-BJP, non-Congress parties in this country. We may like them, we may disagree with them, we may dislike them, we may think that they are awful, but the fact is that they are there and they are politically active and they are politically important. Yeah. You have the Trinamool Congress, you have the National Conference. ADMK, ADMK, DMK, TDP, I, could, I mean, you know, you could name a, a, whatever. The only voice which Delhi media, which projects itself as quote-unquote national media, finds from the opposition is the Ahmadmi Party. Absolutely, I don't know what Raghav I mean, because, does Because again, it's lazy journalism. All you have to do is send a card to uh, the Ahmadmi uh, Party spokesperson's In house fact, and is, call him over. This is a criticism over. that Manisha has every every you know week when we have Hafta. Uh, so I would, I would like to hear, I would like to hear, what does the ADMK have to say? Hmm. About uh, the land acquisition uh, bill. About, no, not the land uh, acquisition anything. bill. About the Lalit Modi affair. Right. Yeah. Uh, or what does uh, Mamata Banerjee have to say about Vasundara Rajay signing some piece Correct. of paper in, for in, him? In pa I would really like to hear. I would like to see how they react to it. I would like to hear how what Mayavati has to say about. In it. fact, hmm. the uh, Biju Janata Dal spokesperson all but vanished, and they are a sizable number. You know, not sizable. They, 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 they control Orissa. But I never so, see any of their representatives. Have you seen the BJD spokesperson? <laughs> so, and yeah. they have some of the most articulate... Yes, sure. exactly. Jai uh, Panda, I believe. In the yeah. Yeah. Really no, apart from Jai Panda. Jai mm. Panda, of course, yeah. is there. But, they have but a lot other than Jai Panda, they have very articulate uh, thinking people. No, I completely agree. AAP gets way more uh, press than it decides uh, demands or even deserves. But coming back to the yoga day, Kanchan, I'd like to hear this from you because you are a prominent voice from the right. Was the... I'll use the word paranoia because in some cases it did come across as paranoia. The criticism of yoga being pushed or thrust as a religious... Uh, well, it, it doesn't have religious identity just, just as a cultural, um, you know, taking your place in the world the way you very eloquently describe right now. But knowing what you know of the RSS, or at least I have attended a couple of shakhas. Do you think it's paranoia when people are worried about how they could push this? And I'll tell you from where I'm coming. I went to watch a film called Spy at Select City Walk that evening, on the yoga day evening, which is a great film, by the way. I highly recommend it. It's hysterically funny. And there, outside Select City Walk, they had a huge yoga shivir. So the thing was just winding up. I thought it was beautiful because in the evening in Delhi, outside a mall, instead of having people standing around smoking cigarettes, you know, the people doing yoga and, you know, like Christmas is in Singapore, New York. It's just, it, it, the whole thing was really nicely done. And, uh, but they ended and they were doing that in a Shanti part. Shanti Prithvi, Shanti Rama, Shanti Varnaspat. You know, that it's from the Rig Veda, I believe. Now, if it is, I, I do yoga myself, I think it's fantastic. But I think if you're saying it had no religious connotations or it has no religious element, I saw it. And if someone is uncomfortable reciting that, that is how it was ending at Select City Walk. Whether justified or not, do you think it is, you can understand where the paranoia is coming from? And also, and I'll just tell you my experience at Ashaka, I love playing football. Even though I'm so old, I still play. But when I was younger, I was playing in a park in Vasant Kunj, and there, Ashaka was having a When you were come. younger, you were in 
Knickerbockers. Yeah. So you can't be that old. <laughs> I'm 40, yeah. So I'm talking when I was in my teens. Okay, so that's, that's more than 20 years ago. And uh, they had, uh, so you know, they said, come, you play with us. And then they have, you know, when you're young, you played a game called Cut the Cake, where you, where you run and someone cuts through, then you've got to start changing the person. So they said, okay, now football, now we'll play this. It's called Kaun Shivaji. So, you know, <laughs> the one who's running is Shivaji and who's chasing is Aurangzeb Zami and whoever cuts becomes Shivaji. I'm just saying, one thing. So they called us there to play. After making us play for 15 minutes, then they started pissing me off with all this nonsensical shit. I said, dude, I've come to play. If I can't play, I'm going back home. Thank you. Now, but the carrot dangled was playing. So I've seen them work like that. They had called me for a spot, but that, is, that was not what they tried to do at the end of it. So, seeing where that happens and seeing how shakhas work, do you think it's paranoid when people are worried about yoga or it is not paranoid? No, no, no. I, I, I don't think this paranoia is even, even remotely justifiable. Mm. Or leave alone justifiable, understandable. Mm. Uh, I am not disputing the examples which you gave. Mm. But the RSS has its agenda, and the yeah. RSS is fully justified to sure. carry out its agenda in its shakhas without in any manner becoming an imposition on those who do not agree to it or do not subscribe to it. So long as there's this clear separation, I have no problems with it. Now, you said that yoga as a Hindu uh, faith uh, motive now, I, I disagree with it. I disagree with it because the word Hindu does not precede the idea of yoga. It does not precede the writing of the Vedas or the Upanishads. Mm. The word Hindu, the vintage of the word, I mean, I'm sure historians would contest it. But we are talking about Alexander's uh, invasion of India and uh, his crossing Sindhu and referring to people on this side of the Sindhu as Hindus. Mm. So it was a geographical identity. At, the, at that time it was. It was a but cultural identity. It was a civilizational identity when the word was formed. A word was forged. Sure. But today's religious Hinduism. The Hinduism as a faith is not a book, uh, not a religion of the book. Mm. There is no pontiff. Right. There is no single authority. There is no single textual source that authenticates whether your beliefs are Hindu or un-Hindu. The, the, the great Supreme Court judgment clearly lays down that Hinduism is a way, way of, of life. life. We've had this discussion too, like, so what? It, but today, so when someone, I, I if dispute. a form says religion, you still feel Hindu. I'm Sorry? not disputing what you're saying, but today, if you have a form in front of you and it says religion, you will still say Hindu. You will not say, I don't have a religion, I don't have a way of life. It is a religion. No, you, could, you, you, you could, you, you write Hindu because we have, uh, we have to have a religious identity. But that religious identity is not uh, a, an identity which is Abrahamic in its form and content. Okay, if I may just bring you to this, and I, I'd like Arunab and Manisha's view also. What I said about the RSS, when they try to indoctrinate you, they get, they, they get you to exercise. 
What I'm saying is, the the carrot dangled was exercise. They had which said, is good. See, you ran so much <laughs> when you were young. You didn't turn out to be a fat like fat man like me. So I wish I had gone to a That does happen. Do you think it's justified? Is it paranoid? I don't know, Manisha. Why do you guys go? For yoga day, I I think that it, yoga per se can be spiritual, religious, and just physical exercise for whoever. You know, mm. it could be all of these three things. And when you're celebrating the yoga day, everyone should be free to pick up whatever aspect they want to and celebrate it. So if RSS wants to pick up the Hindu slash spiritual mm. aspect of yoga, they're free to do that. Mm. And if people don't want to join in, they shouldn't. So I, I, I don't, I'm but not you, really... You think it's a larger design, that's what I'm saying. Uh, or is that just... Yeah, RSS theory? could always have a uh, RSS obviously design. has a design. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean no one's but as long that. as the for, government for doesn't... For example, when you said that people who are made to chant whatever... Uh. I'm, if people had a choice not to, I don't see the problem, you know. Mm. But you know, the, the Rig Ved, and I, I strongly recommend mm. that you should read it. Some very fine translations are now available. Mm. It is such a joy because every thought over there is so universal in its appeal. And what does it celebrate? It celebrates life. It celebrates life in every form. It celebrates the various... Uh, life-giving energies in their various forms. I will definitely so take your the, the last word, the last word as far as I'm concerned, I think, you know, somewhere we lost the balance on Yoga Day. So there was this piece by Nirupama Subramaniam in Indian Express on the edit page. It was headlined, why I won't yeah. be doing yoga or why I won't I do yoga. That. Which is perfectly alright. I mean, uh, it also, I think, you know, this kind of a pompous posturing that I won't do it. I mean, who the hell cares whether I don't do something <laughs> or do something? Uh, 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 it's a country of a billion plus people. I mean, so mm -hmm. you are so insignificant as an individual that it really doesn't matter. What I find, uh, what I found objectionable was the visual accompanying the piece. I don't recall what it, it was. It, 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 was a, it was a stylized graphic where uh, there was Mr. Modi and there was oh, obviously right. an individual and Mr. Modi's legs were crossed into a Nazi swastika. swastika. Not the Hindu swastika, right. the Nazi swastika. Mm. It is offensive. Mm. In any other country, especially in Europe, the newspaper would have been hauled over the coals. So if the newspaper was being too smart, it turned out to be too smart by half. Or it was plain ignorance that, it, that something like this is offensive. Second is the depiction of Modi as a gollywog. Why? That is racist. Well, the, the character, I mean, you know, like character no, is racist, you, but... No no, 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 depicting somebody as a gollywog would be racist. Now, we don't, we don't care about these things. We don't give a damn about these things. But if we actually want to be in step with the times, mm. in step with the world. You don't do these things anymore. You do not, you caricature a thought, but you do not caricature an individual. It, it may not be to everybody's liking as far as, um, you know, humor or satire is concerned. But I just want to, uh, on this point, I think Indians are very sensitive. Like, you know, the Charleston shooting happened just for our viewers. There was yet another shooting in America mm. where this lone wolf or terrorist, depending on... Uh, Kanchan, just curious to know what you call this 
white man shooting uh, walking around a black church and killing them would you call it an act of terrorism racism no, no i i explained this and i will tell you why uh, terrorism is violence with a political motive irrespective of who commits right. and i'm not saying that a white man mm. is incapable of terrorism mm. very much capable of terrorism and a hate crime is when you allow an in, uh, when an individual allows his or her hate for another individual or set of individuals or a community or a community mm. to come out in a very or, or to manifest itself in a very violent manner mm. so th- this is this qualifies crime. as a hate crime and it's important that we should distinguish a hate crime from an act of terror otherwise you minimize the the you sort of diminish the enormity of a hate crime and you also equally diminish the enormity of a terrorist crime yeah, because so if everything is terrorism and nothing is terrorism right so uh, on now someone had sent me this um this stand up act this is before this charleston shooting happened but i just want to play it for everybody and what i was amazed at the person who is presenting this stand up comic act humorists in 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 us are very political at least the most successful of them he's australian keep in mind he's a foreigner and uh, he is performing to an american audience in america and just just hear what he says and i have a few questions related to that when we finish uh, he is talking about uh, the reasons why they uh, you know he is talking about gun violence basically and how american laws are so ridiculous that they allow guns to be sold off like toasters and here he is giving the reasons why he says those of you who like guns and listening to me hate me right now and he's giving them the reasons why the first reason he says is because i'm making sense and this is the second reason second reason second reason and this is the big one i'm foreign <laughs> and that's pissing the fuck out of you right now and your brain is on a loop and you can't fucking turn it off and it's just going around in a circle and you're just going if you don't like it go home if you don't like it go home <laughs> And my answer to that is no. <laughs> Came here legally, I pay my taxes, I say whatever the fuck I want. The your first amendment means that I can say the second amendment sucks dicks. <laughs> and unless you're an American Indian, you're a fucking immigrant as well. So fuck off. So he says my if the your first amendment which is freedom of speech says that your second amendment which is right to bear arms and in an american audience he's saying this i'm australian i pay my taxes i'll say what i want now the my point is that when we say that indians are very meek and stuff that you said i don't agree when it comes to and this is where i don't agree also on the bit of emergency can't happen again i find there are too many willing people like uh, I- i'm sorry if he's a friend and here you know we don't feel bad about if anyone says anything arvin's a friend of mine but you can trash him yeah i will not mind it's fine we all like to you know vent and say what we want so, so what i'm saying is it's fine i don't have a problem so i don't know if he's a friend of yours but um swapan das gupta tweeted that it's shocking that rs uh, this uh, yoga is not being covered you know after that ansari street rambath one which was of course a huge fopa by by uh, ram madhav who i personally actually have interviewed and like him i think he's one of the most sensible voices in rss i don't know how he got this wrong but swapan das gupta being a journalist said how is rajasabha tv not covering this hmm. 20 tvs are covering this ek nahi first of all it did cover it yeah. even if it didn't as a journalist you are actually saying how dare they not do it my fear is that if someone like modi i'm not saying he will but if he says yes we will impose emergency many of so called intellectuals like i can tell you arvin's a friend of mine he's been friend for 15 years but if tomorrow he says i'm going to go after the i'll be the first one standing around his house to karke de my fear is if modi says that the so called intellectuals will actually cheer him on 
as long as it's not the Gandhis doing it, it it'll be fine. That's my fear. Because no. would a journalist say that? That yes, how dare you not cover it? Uh, there are two parts hmm. to uh, your question, and I don't think we should conflate them. Okay. I don't think Modi would ever consider, forget actually doing it, imposing emergency. Hmm. It requires an extremely ruthless mind and it requires a deep-seated conviction that you are divinely ordained to rule India to do something like this. I don't think that that, that kind of a conviction exists in Modi. But, okay, well, sorry, second, not just emergency, I'm saying anything that is... Second, and the, the BJP oh. as an institution, yes, it will ride Modi so long as Modi is so hugely popular. But tomorrow, if there is somebody who's better than Modi, who carries the party forward in a far better manner than Modi, if somebody like that were to come out, or after Modi, it would happen. So it is, it is not about an individual. Second, about this Rajya Sabha TV. Hmm. Issue is slightly more, I think, what was lost is the essence of the message, and Shopun really wanted to convey a bigger message. Hmm. Rajya Sabha TV has become captive to the system that was designed for Rajya Sabha TV and Lok Sabha TV. And the system has taken over the purpose behind that channel. If you ask me, as far as I'm personally concerned, again, I think it's a, ta a waste of taxpayers' money. Uh, in this day and age, you really don't need uh, two separate state-sponsored, state-funded, tax-funded channels to cover Rajya Sabha and Lok Sabha. If you have important uh, proceedings in Parliament, if the debate is important, if the, if the bill being presented is important, or whatever, you allow others to position their cameras there and... Or give and, them the feed, yeah. Or give them the feed, sure. or supply the feed. Or, if you must, you, you just cover only only house proceedings yeah. i see no purpose served and and, and by, by either Rajya Sabha TV agree, or Lok Sabha TV. I agree, but that's a separate issue. I'm uh, only talking... Having political discussions and, and debates. And this ties in with, is there an INB ministry necessary and all that? No, sure, INB has nothing yeah. to do with no, Rajya Sabha, Lok Sabha. Like DD, what are saying? No, even Doodarshan has nothing to do with it because it was outsourced to the presiding officers of both the houses. No, I'm saying the logic is the same, whether, you know, yeah. it is required. So, so but, but my point now, was different. Now, that rightly or wrongly, a perception has gained over the last one year that Rajya Sabha TV, because it reports to the presiding officer of the Rajya Sabha, namely the vice president, who's also the chairman of the house, it has allowed itself to, be, to become a, a sort of a platform for discordant voices. So, in effect, the Congress still controls one instrument of state propaganda, and that is namely the Rajya Sabha TV. Okay. Now, uh, I mean, frankly, I, 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 I don't waste my time and energy to Rajya Sabha TV, uh, because, as I said, I mean, I, I, I don't need to watch Rajya Sabha TV beyond mm. proceedings. Mm. But, I think the time has come because when Rajya Sabha Lok Sabha TV happened, there was a different need for it. Today, does that need exist? Even but, if it exists, but should it? But that's a different issue. What that tweet said was something very different. I mean, you're giving a much bigger picture of is there a need and that debate's been no, on forever. No, I think the tweet flows but from I think, that, that. I think a journalist if, saying that how dare they not cover something. 
जर्नलिज्म who would stand up for against and i'm not talking about emergency anything that goes against free speech which people like you and i stand for if that would happen well i would <laughs> yeah but but do you think there are enough out there or yes, there are, there are. i think i think shopon would be equally appalled really uh, by any by any attempt to curb free speech I don't okay. think Shopun was ever supportive of something like 66A hmm. or 69A, which actually still exists. Right, it does. And uh, it, 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 it is actually a reflection of we the people hmm. that uh, everybody is happy 66A has gone. And but the 69A, 69A which there. is much more draconian, still exists. In fact, we did a story on that. Uh, now, one last question before we wind up. Uh, Why do you not appear on mainstream channels? You do on I think you go to News X, right? No, no, no. I used to, but I don't. I I appear only on ABP News TV. Yeah. Uh that's because I I have an arrangement with them. Now, I Why I mean, do you not appear anywhere else? No, what are the options? I mean, I wouldn't appear on Honestly, I wouldn't appear on Times Now. Right. Uh, because I do not believe that that is what the nation needs. Okay. Uh I would not want to appear on I I I sort of took a decision not to appear on IBN channels. Mm. So long as certain people were there running the channel. Mm. Because I was appalled by the way they were using that uh, that that channel to propagate what I knew for to be a fact uh, that was that was con controverted and 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 the way it was being done the reasons for which it was being done where the stories came from where the brown paper envelopes came from all that hmm. was knowledge to me uh, that doesn't leave me with much option i mean ndtv uh, wouldn't appear for ndtv i i don't know why but ndtv uh, for a long while they stopped calling me i was okay with it uh, of late NDTV India has been inviting me. Mm. I could. I mean, I have okay, no sure. reason for it. So, so it's just that times now you have consciously taken a decision never to go. It's not like it's across channels because I, I somehow had the impression that yeah, uh, by and large I mean, mainstream media you're not really interested. It's also in I, I, I'm also a bit, bit of a lazy person. <laughs> the whole idea of spending an hour going to the studio, hanging around there for the next one and a half hours, then spend another hour just getting back home. Mm. That's we are talking about of about roughly three and a half to four hours. Okay. Uh, I I would rather tend to my birds during that time. I see. Okay. Uh, before we wind up, Manisha and uh, Aruna, anything you have to say? We also we have the song yet to wind up our <laughs> show today. I just like like to get back to the Charleston shooting. Mm. I think it is an act of terrorism, mm. and this was a part of a long history of anti-black violence, anti-black terrorism. This church had been attacked earlier, had right. been bombed earlier, mm. and you should read this piece in the Vox. Uh, why calling the Charleston shooting terrorism is important to so many people, mm. and it concludes with a paragraph uh, that says. Uh, in the 21st century, terrorism is typically associated with Muslim extremism, 
when white people commit mass shootings, their ideology isn't as often brought to the fore. But because of the history of terrorism in the South, for many, labeling the Charleston church shooting terrorism is a way to recognize that black lives matter. And I'd go with that. I, do, I don't yeah, think it was a... rhetorical uh, argument, I totally agree. I think racism is politics. Hmm. So I definitely think it's it's terrorism. Hmm. I, 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 it's, it's, I don't think it's just hate crime. It's more than a hate crime. I think it, it is terrorism because I don't think you can separate the idea of racism from you know politics because particularly in the American context where so much has happened. So I, I, I strongly believe that the, there was an act of terrorism. And uh, going by the history of the case, because this guy had a we whole website where he, where, where yeah, he, he wrote so much. he was posing with the Confederate flag. Yeah, and he where was, he was burning yeah. the American flag, where he was standing against, you know, uh, uh, where he spoke about the American Constitution, which said, mm. which gave equal rights. Right. So I think it is an act of terrorism and mm. it is much more insidious than just a hate crime. And if you think, okay, and, and, and that anti-gun rant where that Aussie guy, you think one could have an anti, I don't know, yoga rant like that in India by a foreigner without getting bashed up? Not foreign. I don't think any anyone, I, 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 don't know, I think even, even Indian does it, we don't want to take it well because we as a people don't have a sense of humour. What we've do you think, shown Kanchan, so you times. think someone could get away with it here? No, actually I suppose so. I mean, you know, hmm. uh, and, and much of the opposition that has appeared in print or hmm. on TV is not short of a rant. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but yes, I mean, uh, we are also a very indifferent country, you know. I mean, we, we don't, we, we, we sort of work ourselves into a frenzy up to a point, but not beyond that. Uh, and, and whatever little frenzy we have in ourselves, we save it for World Cup and cricket. So, <laughs> okay. uh, no, but again, you know, the reason I segregated a hate crime from an act of terror is because you must deal with these two issues separately. Hate is something which can be dealt with. You can teach people not to hate. You can teach people that hate is something that ultimately corrodes uh, your own inards. I mean, it's a whole process that, that is involved in it through law, through social activism, through cultural activism, it happens. Some of it stays back, stays back. I mean, that's the way it is. That's, I mean, there's not enough justice in the world to go around. So mm. it happens. But terrorism is ultimately an act of war. It's an act of war of people against their own people, of countries against countries, of, uh, of, of it's, it's, it's a war of ideologies, it's a war of formal armies, it's a war of non-formal armies. So terrorism is, has to be dealt in a different manner altogether. You cannot, uh, I mean, it was absurd, I think, for Mr. Pranam Mukherjee to go and say that you can deal with uh, terrorism by, uh, by, by quoting Gandhi and to go to terrorists, I mean, to which mm. I had written a piece, uh, that was mm. a nasty piece, that in which case just go drop uh, copies of Gitanjali and Swaraj, uh, Hind Swaraj on uh, ISL areas or mm. Chhattisgarh or uh, whatever. It doesn't work like that. So and, and also, you need a legal framework. You need a globally acceptable legal framework to deal with terrorism. So therefore, terrorism has to be defined. It has to be specifically uh, de uh, defined in, in, in technical terms. And the, 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 the second committee or the first committee of the UN is right now engaged with it. Um, and hate crime is also people, country specific, region specific, people specific. What is hate 
in America, that kind of hate won't happen over here. We won't go, we won't, I won't pick up a gun and shoot people because that person is, uh, has a darker skin. Well, there were things like the Ranveer Sena and all that, you know. It's caste and caste is yeah. more, you know. So, yeah, but it's not, it's not uh, matchable. I mean, you know, it's not matching. I mean, it, it doesn't add. Uh, in terms of law, the first federal anti-terror law in the U.S. was in response to anti-black terrorism perpetuated by the Ku Klux Klan. So, I... I I still think that it's well, I don't Americans agree with. Americans are very good at uh, jumping to definitions and definition. Those definitions never hold. I mean, people don't accept it. Okay, uh, just want to point out this podcast was produced by Karthik Nijhavan. Uh, I'd like to thank Kanchan for joining us. Thank you so much. It's wonderful having you. Hope we can have you more often actually, and uh, we'll do some more stuff with you. I'm hoping you'll say yes. We've overshot our time majorly, so Karthik, you have to bring us back somehow today and uh, thank you all for joining us uh, we'll be back with another episode of Hafta next week where we'll discuss other stuff that mainstream media did or didn't do write in to us and tell us what you think send us your suggestions if you got anything wrong today please write in and correct us uh, contact at newslaundry.com or tweet to us or get onto our Facebook page remember when the public pays the public is served when corporations pay, corporations are served. And we leave you with this song, which kind of reminds me of the emergency, although the context of this was from, from, from a film called Gulal, where it had this very revolutionary uh, kind of uh, uh, context, uh, but it's in the voice of Piyush Mishra. And lest we ever forget something like the emergency happened, uh, let the song remind you so it never happens again. <laughs> जब शहर हमारों सो गए तो रात गजब की चहू और सब और दिशा से लाली छाई रे जुगनी नाचे चूनर ओढ़ खून नहाई रे चहू और सब और दिशा से लाली छाई रे जुगनी नाचे चूनर ओढ़ खून नहाई रे सब औरों को लाल पुत गयो सब औरों में सब औरों को लाल पुत गयो बिपदा छाई रे जिस रात गगन से खून की बारिश आई रे Thank you so much. Thank Please you. Please say bye to our audience, Kanchan. Thank you. Thank you. It was great being over here with you and the and all Nobel Manisha. Arunabhai Manisha. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. See you guys. Bye. Catch all new episodes of NL Hafta on newsroundry.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook.